Dan, son, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Dad. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Papa? Dan, Josh, I'm fine. Thanks to Calvary. And you know, understand we're going to pick some today and talk about salvation. What about that? Yes. Yes, sir. So uh, as the listeners may recall, in, in the last episode, uh, we talked about salvation. We, we wanted to uh, take a look at biblical salvation. So what we mean by that is we want to we want to really just explore what the Bible says about salvation, not any particular denomination. So uh, we started last week in Acts 16, and then, of course, the story there that we refer to as the Philippian jailer uh, and his conversion. Uh, we started with that, and we wanted to use the question that he asked in uh, Acts 16 when he asked Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? We want to use that as our springboard for this entire conversation. Again, this is uh, week two, uh, or episode two, of this particular topic, but this may go on for a little while. We're uncertain how long it will go on. But uh, uh, again, uh, for our listeners, if you've uh, listened to some of our episodes in the past, this is a little different format. So we appreciate your uh, patience with us, and we we hope that this will be fruitful. Uh, We are, are just wanting to pick apart. Uh, scripture and find out exactly what it says. And we want to even acknowledge that uh, some of the things we've always grown up hearing, being taught, being preached, uh, some of the doctrinal beliefs uh, from various denominations uh, may not necessarily be biblically accurate. So uh, that's the purpose for having this conversation. So uh, last week, again, we uh, looked at Acts 16. And this week, I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to look at uh, John 3. So uh, I'm going to to go probably to uh, the second most popular verse in the Bible that most people know by heart. Uh, I think the first verse that most people know uh, internationally is Genesis 1-1. And the second most popular verse that most people around the globe know know or have heard is John 3.16. So again, I'm reading out of the ESV. Dad's using KJV and Josh is using NIV. So uh, we, we encourage you to, uh, to follow along in your particular version. And uh, as we read, I'm going to read a few verses starting at 16. So again, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So just to to back up and, and give you context, 
So if you back up in, in chapter 3 and you read beginning at verse 1, you're going to learn that there was a, a gentleman by the name of Nicodemus. So Nicodemus was a, uh, a ruler uh, amongst the, the Jewish people at the time. His position was that of what we would refer to today as a lawyer so, uh, or a legislator. So think about it, your congressman, your senator. So uh, very similar to that, uh, he was part of a, a group of people called the Pharisees. And then there was uh, another group of people who uh, made up their legislative body, and those people were called the Sadducees. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, much like we have uh, Democrats and Republicans today in America as, as the two primary parties, uh, there, were, there were similar ideas, ideologies, philosophies that separated these two groups of people. But together, combined, they made up a group, uh, a body uh, of uh, legislative uh, members that they called the Sanhedrin Court. So uh, this individual was uh, a very prominent individual. His name was Nicodemus. So he came to visit Jesus by night. So he, he kind of sneaked in to talk to Jesus. Uh, because he wanted to ask some questions. And he has a fascinating conversation with Jesus. And uh, as, as you look at it, he, he comes in, he uses a very respectful title when he's talking to Jesus. He says, Rabbi or teacher. And then uh, he even acknowledges, we know that you're from God because we've seen the miracles you do, and no one can do those things unless you're from God. And then Jesus and Nicodemus have this fascinating conversation about rebirth. So how that a man can become born again. So as they continue that conversation as part of it, Jesus shares with him this statement that we've all known. And it's actually Jesus, his own words. He's saying this himself, talking about how God so loved the world that he, God, gave his only son, that whosoever should believe in him and the only son should not perish but have eternal life. So we get back to this same premise that we saw in, uh, in the book of Acts in chapter 16, where Paul told the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So we get back to this same thing that Jesus says, whoever believes on the Son should not perish but have eternal life. So I'm going to stop right there for just a second and ask Dad and Josh. So... Gentlemen, do you have any thoughts thus far? Josh, what are you thinking, son? Yeah, I don't have anything <clears throat> specific on um, on on that phrase. I mean, that's that's kind of the the, the bedrock to what um, we we believe uh, salvation to be. But uh, you know, I, I I would I would ask to uh, for us to expand upon that. Um, is that the the only thing that needs to be done for salvation? And um, as as you know, within the same chapter, um, within uh, verse five, to play a little bit of um, an advocate here for for another point of view, um, uh, Jesus answered um, very truly, "I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives uh, flesh gives birth to flesh." But spirit gives birth to spirit. So, <clears throat> um, the you know with with John six uh, three sixteen telling telling us that that we have to believe 
um, is that the only thing that that needs to be done for us to to be given um, salvation um, uh, through through Christ, um, or or does this this note of uh, uh, unless they are born of water and spirit, does the the born of water speak to um, uh, salvation through um, belief and baptism, um, or is it uh, or is it just uh, um, a, a representation of of being born physically and then being born of the spirit. Thank you, Josh. Dan, I appreciate the opening comments that you made about it, reading the scripture that you did. And uh, prior to those verses that you did read, there's one there that said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. And I think uh, Jesus himself made mention of that. But I, I, my question would be, what is it about Jesus Christ that we have to believe? Because it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, what is it about him that we have to believe? And I think that uh, there's some criteria there given to us perhaps in some of John's writing as well as many other places since Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I think it's very important. And Josh, you referred to the verse of Scripture in 5 where it talks about the, um, uh, that, uh, well, verse number 6 too says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And I, th- I think there's a, there's a reference here to biological conception, birth, and then I think, too, there's a reference here to that which is spirit, that being the Holy Spirit of God leading us to an understanding of who Jesus is and then putting our faith in that. Just like uh, Jesus himself said about Moses, people who then were bitten by the serpents, and we have been bitten, every man, woman, boy, girl, uh, we all have been bitten by sin since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And so we bear the, we're going to bear the penalty of that if we don't receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Jesus himself took upon himself all of the sins of all of the world, of all of mankind, so that we could be redeemed if we put our faith and trust in him. And so reference, I think, is important that was made to Moses, the serpent in the wilderness, and how that he lifted up that serpent. And in my imagination, here's, here's what I think. This is a, geographically a large area where people were being bitten by serpents because of their rebellion, because of their sin. And uh, there was only one pole that uh, an image of a serpent had been placed upon, and people would look from wherever they were in a direction to. And I can't imagine them being able to see that from every direction where they were. And so it was an act of faith on their part. Nicodemus had a serious time understanding what Jesus was talking about. But there's other scriptures that we've recently read that seem to imply that Nicodemus had a had a come to a point in his life at least that he had put 
some some kind of faith, maybe I don't know. I don't know how to describe it other than that there was a serious uh, himself um, struggling with, wrestling with, uh, contemplating in his mind, in his spirit about who Jesus Christ really was. And so, for us, for me, each one of us, we have understood for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For us, we believe that when that long ago we discussed the Trinity, and we believe that Jesus Christ was God's son, but at the same time he was incarnate, that he was God, and he gave himself a Calvary, Golgotha, so that anybody who would believe in him as the anointed one, as the Christ, as the Son of God, as Messiah, Jewish would say as Yeshua, Messiah, then putting our faith and our trust in him. Uh, but I think I think a lot of that we've also talked about that it's, it's, it's not some educational uh, understanding that we come to. There's, uh, salvation is a gift. It is not something that we have to work for. The work has already been done for by Christ on the cross. And so to, to understand who Jesus is, to understand that we need him as our Savior, and then place our faith in everything that he has done guarantees us, according to the scriptures, that we then, if we will, if we will acknowledge that, and I think we'll just study some verses of scripture, maybe not tonight, but at another time, which will tell us that it's a matter of the heart, just like uh, it was uh, Simon Peter who answered to the question of who Jesus was, and the answer, you're the Christ, the Son of the living, you know, I don't know exactly the words, I can't recall them at this point. I think it's in Matthew, maybe. I, I don't know exactly it's, uh, where it is. Where it, is it at? It's Matthew, Matthew 16, 17. Okay. But I think it's not a, it's not a, a something that the flesh uh, will ultimately come to. But the Spirit of God helps us to understand who He is, and we put our faith and our trust in His death, burial, and resurrection. I, I think believing in Him is more than just historically understanding that Jesus was a person way back yonder when. And that uh, claim was that he was the son of God. Facts are that he died. And then many believe that he was resurrected, ascended back to heaven. So, But for us, we believe all those things by faith. Just, am I making any sense at all? We believe those without uh, Encyclopedia of Britannica telling us so. We believe it because the Bible says so. Jump in there anywhere. So... My understanding of what you were just referring to in, in Matthew 16, I flipped over there real quick. Okay. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, Jesus is has his disciples up at uh, Caesarea Philippi. They're, uh, they're uh, north of the Sea of Galilee, up near, uh, what is that, Mount Hermon, uh, where the, the springs are yes. coming out of the, yes. I think it's the headwaters of the Jordan River. Jordan River, yes, sir. So, uh been there. That's a fascinating place. If you ever get a chance to go, you, you should. And he's having a, a very interesting conversation with his disciples, and he's asking them, who do you say that, uh, who, who do men say that I am? Uh, 
And then when he gets around, he asks them, who do you say that I am? And uh, Simon Peter replied, you are, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then, uh, then Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed, revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys, keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So that's his entire quote. That's the entire quote of Jesus. But that that portion there that says, flesh and, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Uh, I've always hung on this, and I'm hoping to, uh, I doubt tonight, but hopefully in the not terribly distant future, get into the discussion of, uh, of the perseverance of the saints or uh, eternal security or the concept of, uh, of once saved, always saved. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to where we get in that in Scripture. But for me, when, when I begin understanding salvation, um, the way that I see that Scripture teaches you know, it's it's this belief, and, and Josh keeps coming back to it, and, and I think it's important to do so. But it's it's not just a, a, as Dad said, it's it's not just an intellectual understanding. There's there's something different. There's, you know, Josephus believed that Jesus Christ was alive, but Josephus was a secular his, historian. So, uh, well, does that mean Joe? Josephus is a Christian because he believed that Jesus was really a person. I, I don't think so, because what you're seeing here is Simon Peter says that he believes that Jesus Christ, or, or that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the Living God. So, uh, and it's it's that knowledge that that true deep belief, the belief that yeah, no, no, I actually believe that. I, I don't, I don't just. I haven't just heard it. I haven't just heard somebody say it, read it somewhere, whatever. No, I, I actually, no, I believe that. I got it. And when that becomes a deep-seated truth truth in your heart, uh, I believe that according to this scripture, according to Jesus' words, we don't have the innate ability as human beings to understand that, to, to actually adopt that belief on our own. That is that is an understanding that uh, God, the Father, has given to us. So I, I believe that there's divine intervention. I believe there's divine knowledge when you get to the point of believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let me let me ask this then. <clears throat> and we touched upon it last week, but since we're we're talking about the the <clears throat> um John three sixteen. I, I want to touch on this. Um, you, uh, James two nineteen says you believe that there is one uh, one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. But yet the demon or and I'm I'm now that's the quote. This is now Josh speaking. Um, but uh, the the demons aren't saved. There's there's no there 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 isn't salvation for the demons. So if belief is the 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 the, the mechanism that brings us to Christ, that way Christ can save us. What's different between our belief and the demon's belief? That's a good question. I think the answer is here in three. So the way that I was couching the question on my own as I was doing study, let's 
I, I think we can uh, let's marry the two questions together. You're you're asking, uh, state it again. So think about the demons not being saved. Yeah. So James two nineteen says, "You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder." And so if the sure. demons believe that there's one God and that, that Christ, they obviously believe that Christ was the Son of God, um, that specifically Jesus um, was the Son of God, but um, they there there isn't salvation for the demons. What separates us and our belief from the demons and their belief? Okay. So um, let's look here in uh, chapter 3 again. So it, I, I found this interesting. I, I've read this, you know, dozens, hundreds of times in my lifetime, but as we're doing this study, this is a little different uh, for me. I, I guess context, I'm, I'm reading it a little differently. Verse 19 reads, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people loved the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. And everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So I I want to highlight a couple of words in in what I just read. So uh, look look at the stark contrast of his word choice. So he's talking about light and darkness. So uh, there's there's a fabulous story taught about... um, about uh, Albert Einstein, I think, when he was a child, and, and I, I don't know that it's true. It, it's, a, it's a fascinating antidote, but uh, I, I can't attest that it's accurate or not. But I, I do like what it says. Uh, stories told that he was, um, he had a teacher as a child that was saying there was no God and uh, trying to use that argument. And then he used his uh, understanding of physics, even as a child, to explain. He asked the teacher, he says, is there such a thing as darkness? And the teacher said, yes. He says, no. He said, darkness is merely the absence of light. So darkness is not real. It's just when light does not exist. Then he asked the teacher, he says, is there such a thing as cold? And the the professor said, yes. His teacher said, yes. And then his response was, no. Cold is actually the absence of heat. So it's fascinating of this pre-existing state that exists when something is absent. So there was darkness already in the world, according to Christ. And the darkness was there because people or men loved the darkness rather than light. It's because they loved to do evil. So... In the again, stark contrast of evil is good. So, if someone accepts Christ, Christ is the light, according to the same verse. The light has come into the world. We know already that this is referring to Christ from what, what from what we learned at the beginning of the book of John. We know that He's the Word, He's the light, and how He's came into the world. And that people will reject him because they prefer evil. So these demons, this question that you were asking, it, it is fascinating because you're right. It's not just merely intellectually understanding who Jesus is. 
It's not merely intellectually accepting and understanding who God is. It is a belief in God. It's a belief in Jesus as his son. It's a belief that God sent his son, as Jesus said earlier, uh, that he loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life because he sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So this this understanding of God sending his son to die in our place, accepting that, and then it begins to change your life. This is beginning to become more the totality of salvation. It is belief. It is, I stand by this. It is that simple, but, but is, it is not simply belief. It is, it is belief that changes. It is belief that, that gets into your heart and begins to grow roots. Uh, when when you accept Jesus Christ, you'll begin to hate sin, and that's hard to explain. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that you stop sinning, and, and again, we'll get into that later. Because another question I've got is, if a person is saved, will they stop sinning? Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't sin anymore as a Christian. I, Dad, Dad used to have an expression that I've heard a couple of times, and I really liked it. I've repeated it, and I've gotten in trouble for it at least once. But... Uh, Dad has an expression. He says, when he became a Christian, he got to sin all he wants to. The only problem is his wanter changed. So he doesn't want to sin as much as he used to. And even now, when we do sin, what's fascinating is, as a Christian, your your relationship with the Holy Spirit is hampered. It's it's not broken. He doesn't leave you. But, but imagine being in a relationship and you've got a spat going on between you and your spouse. And things are really uncomfortable. And it's, it's, you love them, they love you, but it's not real good to be around them until you can work that thing out. So that's, uh, that's what it's like being a Christian in sinning. So you can still sin, but when you do, you're going to hamper that relationship between you and the Holy Spirit. But this, this is pointed at here because as Christians something changes when you believe when you truly believe and put your faith in Christ you're you're believing him you're believing that he died for you you may not fully understand that and trust me I, I've been a Christian for many years I still don't get it you know I, I I have to accept a lot of this by faith even as much as I want to dissect it but when you do it begins to change you and and it's a it's a miraculous change. It's some people it's instantaneous. You know they wake up the next day and poop they're totally different than they were the next day. Some it's slow. But here's what's great: God knows how quickly He can rip the bandage off without hurting you. So sometimes He takes it off slow. Sometimes He rips it right off. But uh, so, but as you as you change your desire to do good, your desire to be in the light, your desire to have a relationship with Christ. To, have a relationship with God, to have a relationship with other people who believe the same way. These things begin changing inside of your inside of your being that to to a degree that you can't fully understand. And this is this is where I go back to this is divine knowledge. This isn't something that's human in nature. It's not something we can achieve on our own. You mean that he said what I hear you saying is that your belief will result in your behavior changing. 
and the behavior is going to be different from what it was before. It doesn't mean that you're perfect, but you're going to begin then maturing in the things of Christ. There is a, there is a uh, instant uh, sanctification because of what Jesus did for us, the gift that we have received, his salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. And so we receive that, and then there is a progressive sanctification that the Lord is going to work on. He works on me. He works on all of us. I'd like to speak just a little bit to what Josh said, referred to in the book of James, because in the context of what he has said in that verse, chapter number two, they're talking about faith and works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And not saying he's not saying that works is involved in the gift of salvation itself, the work that Jesus himself did on the cross and giving his life so that we can have life. But also, I'm thinking uh, re- reference there to the, you know, one translation is demons, and what King James says, devils, same thing. And, and that these, these were eternal creatures. When I say eternal, they, they were created beings, but they are eternal from the time of their creation, just like us. We are, we are, we are conceived. We are born. We are created beings. Uh, and then we become a new creature. We become a new creation when we receive Christ as our Savior. That's what he was trying to get across to Nicodemus. That, uh, you know, you're born in the flesh and now you're going to be born by the spirit. And so you become a new creation or creature in the Lord Jesus. But these devils, they knew who God was. I mean, in the, let's just let's just, let's let's think for a moment, though they weren't. Let's think of them as being human. They understood who God was, but they rejected God. There's a lot of people, I think, on this planet right now who know because they have heard who God is. I know people right now that we've talked to just recently within just the past few days about receiving Christ as their Savior or giving their life to Christ and living for him. And uh, they, their words were, oh, I believe there's God. I believe in God. I believe in the Bible but I'm not ready to give my life to Christ yet. I believe there's literally billions of people up on this planet right now who fit that description. And so these, these uh, same devils listed or mentioned in James 2, yeah, they knew. They trembled because judgment not only is coming for them, but has already been meted out to them. But uh, we were destined for judgment ourselves. We were destined to be cast away from God forever because we were on the road, a road that was broad. It says lead to destruction. And then there came that moment in time in our life when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we changed. We didn't do a 300. I've heard people describe you did a 360 degree. No, that's just completely going in the same direction. And so you do 180 and you're going in a different direction. Your life, your journey is just beginning for the Lord. And so many things um, I personally have messed up from that time until this time because I'm imperfect. I'm an imperfect human being. I've said from the pulpit over and over again, yeah, we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning that we have trusted him for salvation. Therefore, we are saved. We're a child of God. But, uh, but that does not mean that our mind has been saved because you just uh, just kind of uh, – uh, write down the impure thoughts that, 
you have had within the last few hours, yesterday, the past week, the anger that has come about in your being. There are just so many things that uh, would point to our still, still our sinfulness, but we have put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, thank you. Other comments, that's all I want to say. Yeah, back to back to John three though. I I think the good litmus test that Christ is laying out here is that those who love the light, they'll those they'll come to the light, and then that uh, that their works can clearly be seen that they were carried out in God. So uh, there's you know there's a few things there again light uh, they want they're not hiding. You know what's fascinating for me is uh, I, I know in my own life some of the things I've struggled with in the past. You, you hide those things. You hide your sin. It, it's fascinating when when you know you're sinful, you want to hide. Uh, look at the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. After they had eaten the fruit, they wanted to hide because they had disobeyed God. So it's uh, there's this uh, contrast as we were saying: darkness, light, good, evil. But e- even this being open versus hiding. Yeah. So this this um, it, it's so fascinating because when Christ comes into your life, it changes you in such a way that you begin living almost opposite. I mean, it's and again, it's it's not always instantaneous, but things start changing to the point that you start doing the absolute opposite of what you did. Uh, I, I, I met a guy last week down at SOCOM. He's a Navy SEAL, and. <laughs> He was sharing his testimony with me. He's talking about how that uh, a few years ago he accepted Christ, and he said, "You know, just things I want to do change." And he's he's got a, a situation coming where he's going to be uh, back with some of his Navy SEAL buddies, and uh, he was talking about it's going to be a little different being around them because uh, not the same guy anymore. And the things that I like used to like to do just don't like it as much anymore. And he said, "And so it's going to be different." I said, yeah, that's probably a good thing. He said, it is a good thing. So it's fascinating how that when you start this relationship with Christ, he just starts changing you. There's a, there's a T-shirt that I used to love. It's uh, it had a picture of a, a fishing pier on it, and, and I've looked for it. I, I can't find the exact T-shirt. I find some similar ones, but sure would love to have one someday. But uh, it's a fishing pier, and it shows a bunch of bar, uh, boats parked in these birds along the fishing pier. And then uh, there's a sign over the pier, and it says, uh, it says, God and Sons Fishing Company. We catch them, he cleans them. <laughs> so I, I, like that. I, love, I love that because, well, if, if Christians could get, get that figured out, yeah. just yeah. Win, win people to Christ, share the gospel yeah. with them, and trust God to clean them. There that's what, that's, not, that's, that's not your it. job. That's, that's, what, that's, that's, exactly what, right. that's what Christ told Peter, right? He says, uh, what, what do these nets gather up? Fish of many kind, right? Bring them all to me, and I'll sort them out later. <laughs> That's right. You, you catch them, drag them ashore, he'll take care of it. Yeah. yeah, speaking of, of the, the light versus the dark statement, um, I, I stumbled upon this earlier today um, in preparation for, um, uh, for, for, the tea, or for our podcast today. Um, in Hebrews six, um, uh, verses four through eight, um, he uh, uh, John, right? John's the the writer of Hebrews, we believe. 
Uh, maybe Peter. Maybe Peter. Peter. Yeah, but um, so it says uh, it is impossible for those to uh, who have been enlightened, um, who have tasted the heavenly gift, uh, who have shared the Holy Spirit, um, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God or the Word of God and the power of the coming age, and who have fallen or and who have fallen away, so uh, um, to be brought back to repentance. Um, to the, to their loss, they cru- they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and the pr- and, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So uh, I, I, the way that I'm reading this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's talking about two different groups of people here. It's talking about the um, the the. It's impossible for those that have been enlightened, um, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared the Holy Spirit, and um, or who have tasted the the word of God and the power of the coming age, and then a separate group of people, and who who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. Um, and so, so this speaks in my mind to those people that aren't will or that 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 the lovers of the dark things, the lovers, the the people that 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 want to produce thorns and thistles, um, and 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 aren't willing to. They've they they have knowledge that that you know um, that that Jesus is the Son of God. That that you know all these things. Are are true. However, they're not willing to adopt. Um, they're they're not willing to let go and let let God take control of of their life. This is the way that person who comes to my mind, Josh, is that Judas Iscariot, being around God all the time that he was and hearing him seeing the miracles that he did. Right. He came to that. You know, he was in the company of all the time. But yet he was never one who received salvation because simply, I, it's simply because he never trusted Christ as his Savior. Didn't Scripture say that uh, that uh, that Satan actually entered into Judas? Yes, and so when Jesus uh, himself said that I have chosen you, and one of you is a devil, and I think he made that comment even before. Satan entered into him, and so this, this those, those are curious uh, things that has been recorded in the scripture. So, Josh, I, I, I hate to do it this evening. Um, I'd like to come back to Hebrews six, especially as we get into eternal security, right? And talk about that. Yeah, that's so where we, that's where I originally was going, or had went with it. Yeah, earlier, you're, I think it. You're, I think, you're, you're way ahead of my. My uh, uh, outline, but but yeah, but I to my outline just just I I'm not ready to get there yet. But yeah, I think the main thing that I wanted to, to take away from that is that there are people that know about Christ yeah, so, uh, and yeah, and that yeah. that they even that even though they know about Christ, they're still not um they they still they still don't have salvation is the way that I'm reading. So what, it. what what did Paul say? He talked about uh, those who have left us weren't with us from the beginning. 
So there are, you know, what frightens me, uh, you know, it's, it's scary to think uh, that there are people who go through their entire life believing that they're saved and they're not. So um, there are people at church who think that they're doing right. They think that they've done everything they need to do and they've never really put their faith and trust in Christ. So, um, you know, I, I had a well-intended person. Uh, I, I used to be privileged to, uh, to teach a Sunday school class. I, and it was, uh, it was at a Southern Baptist church that did not have the word Baptist on the shingle in front of the church. And, uh, this individual, uh, well-intended, I'm sure she, she was talking about a friend at work who's Catholic and she was talking about their conversation and, and she was saying that how frustrating Catholics were for her and, uh, how, you know, the way that they approach their religion. And I said, well, what do you mean exactly? And she said, well, you know, they're putting their faith in everything that they do as a Catholic. They put their faith in the communion. They put their faith in uh, going to mass. They put their faith in the confessional. They put their faith in all these things and their faith is misplaced because their faith is in the church and in their religious practice. I said, well, that's interesting. I said, I said, I think that's a good point. I said, but I said, you know, it's funny. I said, if you think about it, I said, uh, Baptists are pretty much the same way. She said, what? I said, yeah, no, I, let's see. Uh, what day of the week is this? Sunday. Oh yeah. What are we doing right now? We're in Sunday school. And uh, after this, we're going to go into the auditorium. We're going to sing probably three songs, have a message, sing another song or two, and then we're done. And in the midst of that somewhere, we're going to take up money that we call an offering. And, you know, every once a quarter, we're going to have something called the Lord's Supper, a.k.a. communion. And I said, and, uh, you know, there's going to be opportunities to serve. We've got a food pantry. We've got this, that, and the other. I, I went down a whole list of everything that I could think of that our church did. And I said, and what frightens me is there are people that think because they come here and they do these things that they're okay, that they've done God a favor. I said, it doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Catholic, or any other denomination. If your faith and trust is not in Jesus Christ, Christ alone, Jesus Christ plus nothing, minus nothing, then that's not according to the Scripture what it needs to be. Because it doesn't say believe the church. It doesn't say believe the pastor. It doesn't say believe this. It doesn't say do X, Y, Z. It simply says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's, if, it's nothing else. If we can go back to uh, John 3, um, John three thirteen yeah. says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came up to the... Um, Oh wait, I'm, I may be in the wrong spot. Hold on one second. Uh, I'm looking for the verse that talks uh, uh, about the uh, there is no uh, there is no way to the Father except through me. Um, oh, that's uh, you're thinking about John fourteen. Well, 14 oh, John, six. yeah, yeah, John fourteen verse six. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you want to jump. If you want to yeah. jump over there, you can read Yeah, uh, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No, other, yeah. no one comes yeah. to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you know my Father as well. For now, uh, f- uh, from now on, you do know him and see, have seen him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, son, Dan, I'd like to read, you know, you, you said something about Paul 
And I think this might be the verse that you're referring to. It's in First John. He said in verse chapter two, verse number eighteen, little children, it is the last time. And you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists whereby we know that they are in the that it is the last time. Verse nineteen is what you were thinking, I think. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Uh, That is the verse I'm thinking of. Where is that? First John. John, First John, chapter two, verse. The actual verse is uh, verse number nineteen, two nineteen. That I I stand corrected. Recognized. I thought that was the verse that you might be referring to. It it is. It is. And I I, I mislaid that. I thought that was something that Paul had written mm-hmm. in one of his epistles. But I, I stand corrected. Yeah. Let me, let me say about Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus knew all those things. I mean, he was a man I think who came to Jesus by night, who already knew much about Christ, but what he heard Christ say confused even his brilliant would you say that his mind was probably brilliant uh, for those times i don't think he would have the position that he did have except he was a highly educated and even respected individual and he came to jesus the way that he did and so this thing about being born again really puzzled him when jesus told him that uh, marvel not that i said unto thee ye must born again so he was a and, and you know it implies that there's other scripture later on that implies he did it's not a re- there's no record of it that i know of maybe i'll be where he in fact did um it's no record of it that i know nicodemus never said a sinner's prayer uh nicodemus to my knowledge i don't know where he ever did any more than just Joseph of Arimathea help with the body of Jesus Christ. And see, I'm, we, I'm, I'm sorry, go we, ahead. We make the assumption that those actions of him helping to bury yes. the body of Jesus is is an act of a believer yes. in Jesus. Yes. That's an assumption. We're, we're not certain. And, and can that same thing, we can assume, because of what Jesus did say about the thief on the cross, without him saying any more than he did, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Uh, we, we assume, because of what Jesus said, that that thief actually became a believer. So that, that, let, me, let me pause right there. There's a difference here, okay? So the thief on the cross said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus' response was, I tell you this day, you will be with me in paradise. So that is not an assumption. So we we are certain what happened to that thief because of what Jesus said. So we know that 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 thief died and was in paradise with Jesus that day. But the assumption is we don't know for certain Nicodemus's belief in Jesus. We we know that he says a few things here in John three. He, he believes he's a rabbi, so he's showing respect. He is a teacher. He's acknowledging his biblical knowledge. We know that Nicodemus also said that we know you're from God because of the signs that you do. Therefore, you must be from God. So we see that element of belief uh, from Nicodemus. So 
I think at this point, Nicodemus is probably asking himself, are you a prophet or are you the Messiah? So, so he's, he's already acknowledging certain elements about Jesus. So we're seeing an element of belief in Nicodemus here in, in John 3. But again, we're not certain if Nicodemus truly, fully accepted Christ as Savior after this conversation because the gospel simply doesn't give us that information. But, but again, what we do see, as Dad's alluded to, is Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea show up at the cross uh, at the crucifixion to claim the body of Jesus Christ, to lay it in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. And then uh, we know all of that was going on, but at the same time, bear in mind, Nicodemus and Joe both, Nick and Joe, as I like calling them, they were both observing the Sabbath because they were trying to get him in the ground so that they could purify themselves before the Sabbath. So, uh, and, and get him in the tomb, not in the ground. But, uh, but again, the assumption is that Nicodemus was a believer, but again, that is an assumption. Whereas the thief on the cross, we know that Jesus Christ told him for sure that he would be in paradise. So we do not assume that. Make sense? Makes sense. Amen. So where, where have we gotten this evening? So it's, it's uh, we, we've learned this. Jesus himself says that it's the belief in, in the Son. It's a belief that God sent his Son into the world to save the world. He did not come here to condemn the world. But he also says that those who love light will run to the light, and those who love evil will run toward darkness. So I think this is a litmus if someone's asking themselves if they are saved. There's, there's several other places that I'd like to explore later, but this is where you can begin asking yourself, is now that I've put my faith in Jesus Christ, do I love good or do I love evil? Amen. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean mean have I stopped sinning? You're still going to struggle, but in in your breast, in your chest, in your heart, in your deepest part of your being, do you really want to do evil? So the, those are the questions that I think you can ask yourself, beginning to solidify. And again, beginning. There's there's lots of other things we'll say, beginning to solidify your your uh, confidence of your salvation. But let me give you this. If you have the, the, if you have the slightest doubt, it does not, it is okay to pray and ask Christ to be your savior at any time. You, you don't, you know, if, if that is, if there's the slightest degree of uncertainty in your mind, ask him, just, just ask him. Amen. And uh, do it a thousand times, do it a thousand and one times. You know, it's, I, I tell you this, it's it's no different than the first time you asked him, but he, he can give you that assurance. He can give you that confidence. So Thanks. just uh, don't give up. He'll, uh, listen, he'll clean you. Ain't my job. It's not Dad's <laughs> job, not Josh's job. He'll he'll take care of you at the, at the right pace. He will. And he'll, he'll get it done because he's faithful and just to keep us until that day. Yes. He can do it. Yeah, there, right. there's this phrase, and and just the the one last comment. Um, there's this phrase um, that kind of backs up what you're talking about, Dad. But um, 
I, I forget where it is within the Bible, but it says work out your salvation. Um, yeah. I, go and work out your salvation. And so I think that's probably part of it is that, that um, you know, exactly what you were talking about, like like going and, and uh and getting closer to God by asking yourself these things and and um and doing that type of research and, and understanding. Um doesn't mean that you're not saved, it just means that you need to go and work work out your yeah. salvation. Yeah, that is Philippians two and, and we'll get into that uh in a different yeah. episode. Father, thank you so much. I love these two precious souls. Thank you for what you've done for each one of us. Help us as we try to share between ourselves the gospel of Jesus Christ and the blessings of knowing him as our Savior. But then as this goes out and we try to reach others with it, whether they be uh, relatives in the flesh or whether it be somebody that is seeking Christ as their Savior. Help us to be just a real help to them through discussion of your word. I think sometimes as they hear us talk about different things, they can identify with exactly what's being said because they've thought some of the same things, just as Nicodemus did. Thank you for loving us. I do pray for all the needs in all of our lives. Greatest need of all for any who might be listening is to know Jesus as their Savior. Help them to seek you, to receive the gift that you have provided. And we'll praise you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're enjoying the Thanks to Calvary podcast, make sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thanks to Calvary. If you would like to reach out to us for prayer requests, ideas for future episodes, or just to say hi, message us on Facebook or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash thanks to Calvary slash message or email us at thanks to Calvary podcast at gmail.com.